Sparklers, it is time now. You can go. This is a this is a really big day, isn't it? Easter Sunday, baptisms. I don't know what kind of big days you've had. So yeah, whether it's that's sort of job interviews or first day at school, if you can remember that. Uh, sort of big these big days that mark our lives out for those getting baptised, and for all of us, this is a really big day. I'm going to make an audacious claim uh, as I start off this morning, which is that the resurrection changes everything. Changes everything, and I'm going to just share three things that I believe the resurrection changes, which demonstrate that the resurrection changes everything, that this is the most important day ever. Luke 24, a resurrection story for you, and it's going to come up on the screen, I think, as well. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they'd prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, They told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. On this amazing, earth-shattering day, we find the most honest eyewitness account. There's no pretense in this story. There's no padding. We've got people who have gone to the tomb prepared with spices but unexpected for what they were going to see. We read about them being confused and frightened. We read about them having to remember Jesus' words because they'd forgotten them. We We read of the disciples disbelieving other disciples in their story. We read that they even thought that what they were hearing was nonsense. We read that Peter ran to the tomb, and in this culture, he didn't run readily. We read that Peter left wondering. This honest, authentic account, one of several that we have of this day from eyewitnesses, is not brushed up, it's not glossed up. This is as they saw it. They would have written a better story if they were trying to pretend. They'd have made themselves come out of this much better. And Peter goes away wondering from having seen the events of this day. He went away wondering to himself what had happened. I think Peter's wondering is significant. You see, Peter knows that the tomb he's walking away from is the same tomb that had an enormous great stone rolled in front of it before he got there. Peter knows that that same tomb is the same one that had a a Roman seal marking and sealing that tomb, uh, that stone shut against the rest of the tomb. Peter knows as he walks away, wondering to himself, that that same tomb was the one which had Roman guards stood on guard as sentries to protect, uh, to keep out Christians who might come and try and steal the body, because that's what they've been told. Peter, walking away, wonders about all these things, that actually there wasn't just a stone and a guard and a seal, but inside the tomb had been a dead man, and he'd been there for a couple of days. And that dead man had been not just 
dead any old dead. He had a spear thrust into his side to check that he was dead. And Peter goes away wondering, thinking through all these things and, and thinking about the man who had been in the tomb for a couple of days, having had the spear thrust in his side. And I didn't tell you he'd been crucified by Romans who were expert in crucifixion. They knew what they were doing. And before that, he'd been flogged. Before that, he'd been on trial. Peter was wondering what had happened. Many, many people had witnessed Jesus' death. There was no doubt he was dead. And this honest account of the resurrection shows shows us of this wonderful day that changed everything. It's said that in the Watergate scandal in America a generation ago, the 12 most powerful people involved in that couldn't keep their secret for three weeks. They couldn't maintain the lie for three weeks. These early disciples weren't trying to maintain a lie. These early disciples were eyewitnesses of what they saw, and they went to their deaths, many of them, because of the courage and conviction that they had that what they had seen was true. The resurrection changed everything. It changed how we relate to Jesus. As we go through the Gospels, we we read of people trying to work out who Jesus was. And we heard four stories of people who God's been involved in their lives for a long time. And for many of us, we spend time when we do think about God wondering, who are you? Who is this God? How could I get to know him? What can I know about him? Well, this day changed everything. You see, these disciples had seen Jesus teach and prophesy. They'd seen him and wondered if he might be a prophet or wondered if he might be the Messiah or might even be God. And this day of resurrection changed everything. You see, there's no doubt anymore. Jesus had predicted his own death and his own resurrection. This is from the passage we read earlier. While he was still with you in Galilee, he said this, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Now, you could look at that and say, wow, he fulfilled what he said. He must be a prophet, but we'd be missing the most fundamental point that he was predicting rising from the dead. And no prophet's risen from the dead. But we can look back at some great teachers of the past and we can wonder who they were and how important they were. And we can discuss their teachings and talk about how wise they might have been and how incredible their philosophies were, but no one else has risen from the dead. There is only one. There's only one who not only was wise and clever, but is no longer dead. Who might have been right or wrong, but is no longer dead. And so we have to look at his words differently. And I want to encourage you today to look at Jesus' words differently because of the resurrection. Not only did he predict what was coming, but what was coming was so earth-shattering that we've never seen it before or since, that we need to look at him differently. And on a personal level for Peter, it changed everything. How do we see Jesus? Is he our Lord? Is he our King? Is he our Savior? Is he the one that rose from the dead? Or are we just putting him in the category of another wise teacher, another philosopher, another starter of a religion, another person we go to when we're in need? Just encourage you. This is Jesus who rose from the dead. He's in a different category, all of his own, that no other teacher or philosopher or religious leader ever can aspire to. 
It changes how we relate to Jesus. Secondly, it changes life and death. From the beginning of human history, death has been winning. Life ends in death. It's fixed. It's guaranteed. It's familiar. We don't like it. It hurts. It's horrible to, to have loved ones dying. We, we don't enjoy this, but it happens, and it's part of our human story. There's no escaping it. The Bible tells of the beginning of creation and how people were made sinless and in right relationship with God, and then how sin entered the world and how people's lives were changed as a result. How there was then a tendency towards decay and death. How the perfect creation became imperfect. The very first temptation that humans faced was to eat of a tree that God had said, don't eat from that tree or you'll die. And the very first temptation had this phrase in it, you will not surely die if you eat of it. You will not surely die. And it's the surest thing that's been happening to us ever since. Is that slowly, little by little, we move towards death. Sometimes people live long lives and they feel like they've done well. Almost cheated death, but it comes in the end. And when people have short lives and die, we feel like we've been cheated. But no one lives forever. Some people try. Some people pretend. But all of us are moving towards death. But in Jesus, we see that for the first time, death didn't win. It always had. And on this day, something changed that would change human history forever. It didn't win. Death itself was defeated. Jesus died and rose again. He wasn't just brought back to life and resuscitated. This wasn't some kind of heavenly CPR that was done on him. He was brought brought into a new life, raised from the dead, never to die again. In Peter's first sermon, the same guy that is walking away from the tomb wondering, Peter says this, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Death had no hold. The sin that had brought destruction in the Garden of Eden had no hold on Jesus. Jesus rose from the grave. If we, as Christians, celebrate at Christmas God's gift to us of himself, and on Good Friday we celebrate God's grace to us in the cross, today on Easter Sunday we celebrate God's power, and it's God's power over all sorts of them, but particularly over death and over sin. And this power wasn't just for Jesus. He promised it for us too. Jesus is saying to a woman, uh, one of his friends in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. The power of death is broken. I wonder if Peter was pondering those words as he walked away from the tomb. Trying to connect the dots and connect up what's going on as he walks away wondering about the empty tomb and what it might mean. Today, if you are following Jesus, if like these four who were baptized, you've said, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. He's forgiven me of my sin and I want to walk following him. You can approach the rest of your life confident that even though we die, it is not the end. 
that even though we go through death, we live forever because of the promise of Jesus that isn't just empty words, but he demonstrated by bursting from a tomb, alive and risen. And now death has no fear for us. It has no power over us. We can be confident in talking about it. We can be bold in approaching it. We can be fearless, not embarrassed or defeated. Death is coming, but life is beyond death. The early Christians, many of them were martyred, and people are martyred still for their faith. And the early Christians had a peace as they went to be with God because they knew that there was life beyond what they could see. And if you're anxious about death today, you can be free from that anxiety. Freed because of one who rose. The Bible tells us that death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Don't get me wrong. We are people touched by emotions just as anybody else. When we lose someone we love, it's, it hurts. It's deeply painful. We suffer loss. We're sad. We're hurt. We're upset. We long for their presence. And that loss hurts us. And yet, we do not grieve like those without hope. Because though we grieve for a time, we look forward to a day when we will see not only the ones we've loved, but see our Savior face to face. So, resurrection changes life and death. That's pretty big. It also changes this last thing, which is that eternal life begins now. We've celebrated baptism. And in Romans 6, there's a passage which talks about baptism. And it says this, Therefore we've been buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the, glory, through the glory of the Father, so we too may live a new life. And our encouragement and challenge to all those getting baptized, to those going into the water, is that as you rise up, you rise up with new life. You rise up anew to live for Christ, to live a bold new life for Jesus. I want to encourage all of us that the death that Jesus died for us and the empty tomb being empty, the resurrection life he enters into starts now. We don't have to wait until we die to get eternal life. That's good news, isn't it? We don't have to wait until we die to get God's eternal life. He invites us to it now. Baptism shows the death that we die now to our old life and Jesus invites us to start a new life today. That same process of Jesus' death and resurrection is, is what we go through, what we experience as we come to Christ and live for him. Come back in, kids. It's great to see you. You know, I believe that Jesus offers us an invitation. And this isn't a one-off invitation. The invitation to die to our old life and be raised up to a new one. I believe that the offer is continual. Because all of us have a tendency, even if we've come to Christ and been baptized, we have a tendency to try and hang on to, to what we've got for fear of letting go. We can hang on and refuse to die. We can hang on to the little bits of things we consider so precious and, and, and not want to let them go. But actually, Jesus is constantly encouraging us to trust him, to give all that we have, to receive all that he wants to give. There's one more verse I want to share just as I close. 
says this, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation is submission to Jesus. Declaring that he is Lord and I am not anymore. And that's a challenge that all of us need to accept and respond to. That he is Lord and I am not. But it goes on from that. And it says that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And you can look at that and go, well, if I believe it in my heart, what what does that mean about believing it in my head? And I just want to explain really quickly that believing it in our heart is stronger and goes deeper than believing it in our heads. This is not some kind of intellectual ascent. But actually what's happening is we're being encouraged and challenged to, to take that belief into our everyday living, into our actions, into the things that flow from our heart. That we should live a life in the light of the resurrection. No longer basing decisions on fear or what feel, feels good, but lived in the life of the resurrection. My encouragement to each of us today, as we think about the one who changed everything, changed our relationship with God, changed our approach to even to death and to life itself, is that we live as if this life is not the only one we have. As an awful car sticker you get, YOLO. You only live once. And it's kind of the idea is do what you like, go for it. And you kind of understand the principle. But it only really works if you imagine that the only one life that we have lasts forever. That whatever we do now matters for the life that is to come. That's the other side of the grave. And I encourage us and implore us to live as if the tomb is empty. Why? Because it is. To live as if Christ is risen and has defeated death. Why? Because he has. To live as if we can know him as our Lord and as our Savior and as the risen King. Why? Because we can. It's a big claim to say that everything's changed because of the resurrection. I believe it has. My encouragement today is that like Peter, we stop and we look in the empty tomb and we go away wondering, what does this mean? For me and for you, I believe it means that the world is changed forever. It means that our relationship with him is different and our approach to him is different. It means that our confidence as we approach the rest of our lives is so different. Our confidence as we talk about death and resurrection is very different. Our confidence as we hold on to eternal life is very different. And then it means that every decision I make as I go on from here, I can live in the light of of his resurrection. Living a big life, not a small one. Living a bold life, not a fearful one. Because, friends, he's risen. Amen.